Well, here I am on my toilet again, and I can't seem to vacate my bowels. I've got my poopery, my scented candles, some reading material, and a full roll of paper when I'm done. And I've got my nifty squatty potty to help release the hostages. But there's one other thing that helps me empty my guts and make toilet time the very best time of the whole day. And do you know what that is? There are some very special friends of mine, my favorite little pals. Oh, G-Stun Network, you're the one. You make crapping so much fun. G-Stun Network, I'm awfully fond of you. Breaking the panel, boy oh boy. When I poke you, you make noise. Breaking the panel, you're my least favorite friend, it's true. Oh, every day when I make my way to the toilet, I find a PGP show filled with old men who can't catch dumb dumb dummies. Watch the podcast, a waste of time. And I wish you were just a bunch of mimes About your podcast, I'm awfully tired of you Hey Blazing Defender, would you like to go read some comic books over at the local shop? Oh, you would? How about Deadly Class? Toy Power, do you want me to go pick up some toys from Toys R Us? Oh, they went out of business, didn't they? How about KB Toys? Oh, they bit it too Oh, that's a bit of a sore spot, isn't it? Oh, every day when I finish up on the toilet, I listen to Geeka versus Who doesn't spew poo at me. Lucka luck lucky, just a network, you're so fine, and I'm lucky that you're mine. Just a network, my butthole is fond of. Just a network, I'm pooping because of you. These days, the comic book owns pop culture. You'll find it all in the panel of your favorite comic book. Us, we're living the comic's life. We're breaking the panel. Hello, and welcome to Breaking the Panel. Uh, I'm, I'm Paul Klotz, not Charles McFall, which is probably a little awkward. Uh, I am joined today, as usual, by none other than TV's Casey. Hey! And botched... No, botched the man. Botched the, the human entity. Philip Keating. Hello. Thanks for having me back again. This is great. Everything's <laughs> great. <laughs> uh, a, a Philip who is currently quite frustrated because yeah. he's, been, he's yeah. been wrangling a uh, brand new PC for a few hours. Uh, Charles will not be joining us this week because he is doing a presentation. No. Oh. oh. No, this isn't Marvel. <laughs> where, where we kill him this week and bring him back next week. Hey. Uh, no, Charles is uh, away this evening doing a presentation in, basically in relation to Dragon Con. So uh, if you are a podcaster or a content creator, keep that in mind because you're going to be able to apply to be at dragon con uh you can hit any of us up for more information on that too but yeah so we got a few topics uh casey this first one 
been a long time in the making, right? Yeah. So fans of Kevin Smith for a long time have heard his kind of semi-infamous story about meeting with John Peters about writing Superman Lives, uh, the 1994, what I mostly assume to be the death and return of Superman in one film, um, which we would later get with uh, Batman versus Superman and Justice League. Kind of. Kind of. The original casting choice for Superman in a grim, dark, kind of scary, almost, uh, version of his outfit was none other than Wicker Man's own Nicolas Cage. (laughs) Wicker Man is your go-to for Nicolas Cage? Well, I mean, it it was, (laughs) Face Off was my second one. You know, whatever, man. (laughs) What would you have picked? You pick one Cage. Oh, man. I don't know. There's 60 seconds. Well, yeah, that's pretty iconic. National um, Treasure Zone. Con, Con Air. National Treasure is like the classic reference, right? <laughs> like, have you seen that meme going around with the uh, the two girls on the beach and the one girl like is a dead ringer for Nicolas Cage? And they're always <laughs> they're always saying some weird thing. Like, and then people are like, I don't know, but that one in the back looks like she's gonna steal the Declaration of Independence, and that makes me laugh every time. But yeah, uh, Nicolas Cage. Yeah, originally poised to be Superman in a 1994 film release. Uh, and with a bit of clever Googling, or average Googling, you can actually see what he looks like in costume. Um, it's not great, because he also has that 90s uh, long hair Superman look. Um, but he is voicing Superman in the Teen Titans Go movie. So it's almost like he's playing the role 20-something years later. Uh, I mean, they're, they're just doing this to, to, you know... As a goof. Get, get, to yeah, try to trick bad. people into watching Teen Titans oh, Go? Oh, stop it. It is fantastic. Mm. I, I will see it. Mm. There's an episode of Teen Titans Go where they go to the original Teen Titans show and just shit on their show saying like uh-huh. this is so much better what i i mean it's come on it's fun it's meta it's for kids i enjoy it get your head out of your own ass enjoy i'll give it once. look i'll give it a fair shake especially when they're doing weird stuff like this um but yeah uh there's um some other interesting things about nicolas cage and superman that you might not know like did you know that his son is named Cal L. Cage? Really? Oh yeah. That you can sign, seal, and deliver that on a birth certificate, my friend. Wow. Yeah. So he's he's not bitter at all about not getting it then. I'm, sh- I'm sure he's not. He's the, well, he's the last son of Coppola, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man, can you think about that for a second though? Like. Okay, so you're imagine that you're in talks to play Superman and you're really excited about it and you're like, yeah, and you name your kid Kal-El and then that falls through even though you thought it was a sure thing. I'm not saying that's what happened, but could you imagine being in that position and then like, yeah. oh man. My now kid, I have this constant disappointment. <laughs> my, my kid is literally branded with one of my failures, one of my <laughs> life's great disappointments. Not only is my kid probably disappointing, because, you know, we, none of us please our parents. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> he's a reminder of a great disappointment. That's, uh, that's pretty incredible. 
So it's a little bit better than Johnny Blaze Cage. Oh, as would be later. Stop. Or Johnny Blaze Cage Two: Spirit of Vengeance. No. All right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Okay. We're none of us are firing on all cylinders tonight. That's fine. That's yeah. great. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. <laughs> with 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 fantastic ammunition like that. Hey, I'm trying. Uh, speaking of firing on all cylinders, uh, I saw something come across uh, the Marvel subreddit today about none other than, I'm going to mispronounce this, but I imagine it's Zdarsky, right? Yeah, nailed it. Chip Zdarsky. Okay. Yeah, Chip Zdarsky has signed an exclusive agreement with Marvel Entertainment. And the way he is selling it is uh, he now gets to do whatever he wants with whoever he wants in the Marvel universe. Well, he... Uh, he is going to be writing Amazing Spider-Man yep. coming soon. And that's, you know, I don't want to say when it comes to Marvel as A-list as it gets other than Avengers, but, I mean, you're top of the heap if you're writing Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Sabalski uh, said, um, what more can be said about Chip Zdarsky than that he hasn't already said about himself? Uh, but seriously, in the time he's been at Marvel, Chip's shown us all the most amazing range of skills as a writer, from his biting humor on Howard the Duck to the way he approaches Marvel continuity and original ways in Peter Parker, to the heart and humanity he brings to Marvel 2-in-1. We're proud to have him as part of the Marvel family, to let him do whatever he wants with whatever character he wants. Maybe. Maybe. I just, uh, I thought this was good news in the wake of uh, of all the kind of the shakeup that's been going on lately. Um, namely with, uh, oh man, why am I drawing a blank right now? Save me. Save me, comic reader. Who just jumped shit to, ship to DC? Bendis. That's right, Bendis. I almost said Claremont, and that would have been wrong. Um, but yeah, with Bendis jumping ship, a lot of people were like, oh, what's going on at Marvel? Well, really, it just seems like, you know, Sobolski is assembling his new Avengers, if you will. His yeah, he's, he's, getting a, he's getting a stable together of, a, of like ace creative guys. Which is great, because uh, we talked about uh just a couple of weeks ago Nahisi Coates on uh Captain America going to be on Captain America so there's been a lot of exciting you know shakeups over at Marvel and hopefully it'll pull them out of their slump uh do you have any strong feelings about Zdarsky uh I actually like him a lot although I haven't read enough of him outside of what he's doing in Marvel 2 and 1 which is awesome uh 2 and 1 classically is um, Marvel team up starring the thing. It's basically the thing. He teams up with another hero. They fight some cool stuff. There's your issue. A done in one kind of issue. Um, that actually sounds pretty rad. Oh, the, the old book was amazing. Um, that's the first time we ever saw him fight guys like the champion of the universe. And it, it's great. It, it really cemented, haha, get it? Cause he's made of rocks. The thing as sort of the Kevin Bacon of the Marvel universe you know, if if you haven't ever teamed up with the thing, you haven't really made it as an A-list hero. I feel like that joke is a little bit rock bottom for you. Ah, it sure is. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, Phil is so disgusted right now. Oh, he's, he's, Phil, you, yeah. you just gotta come hang out on Yancey Street with us. Yancey Street. Um, but the new volume of 2 and 1 is Johnny and Ben, the Human Torch, have they're having trouble controlling their powers. They're losing them. And it turns out it's because their lack of proximity to Mr. Fantastic and the invisible woman. And 
they're off missing in the multiverse somewhere. But they find Reed's will, and he want, he sort of alludes that they should jaunt about, have sort of one great final adventure to find them. Uh, and just the latest issue that came out today has the two of them warping to a reality where Dr. Doom stole the power of Galactus, but the first time he ever landed on Earth, and then decided to just consume everything. So, what? Yeah, it's absolutely. It's it's totally crazy. Sounds amazing. Yeah, it's it's a lot like Exiles, and I, I didn't know that after the first three issues, but the fourth one is really it's completely picked up in a direction I didn't expect, and I love it. Um, Zdarsky's Howard the Duck is as sardonic as you can imagine. Uh, just this bitter, cynical, but well-meaning uh, private detective who is a duck in a world that he never made which is filled with human superheroes. Um, again, I always appreciate a quality funny book. Any mm-hmm. comic book that's driven from a comedic aspect, I think really hits home to like a core audience, you know, uh, unbeatable squirrel girl, unbelievable Gwenpool. Um, most Deadpool comics, although lately he's been kind of mean, uh, and Howard the duck which I think that run just finished a couple of months ago. But uh, Zdarsky's also written Jughead for Archie Comics. He writes Sex Criminals, which is the best comic I am apparently not reading right now about yeah. two bank thieves. Uh, the article I was reading about this signing in, they weren't sure if there were any stipulations to let him be out for that kind of side work that he was doing. Um like the the sex criminals was mentioned in particular yeah so uh we don't we don't know if he's going to be able to continue working on that kind of stuff but uh you know it's it's an exciting uh announcement yeah I, like i said i like to see sibolsky assembling his super team and and you know we get to see a bold new face and hopefully bold new direction and marvel uh i've read nothing know. of him so mm. It's all right. As long yeah, as we're just going to fill this entire show with stuff you know nothing about. Well, that's fine, but you know, good writing is good for the entire company. So, yeah. you know, if he comes in, you know, writing hot fire and brings in a team of friends and other writers that, you know, are just as good as he is, then, you know, I'm happy. I hope if nothing else, you may take a shot at reading something he's done. His style and humor is absolutely up your alley. I'm sure it is. Um, I just find it hard to find time to do anything now. Yeah. Well, but I mean, you know, you just had to pop out that kid. I didn't pop it out. I'm just well. naturally fat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not really um, a Riverdale jughead kind of dude. But, you know, I guess I can get down with some Sex Criminals, Volume 1, and see what it's about. Yeah. You're not... You're not down with like hamburgers and stuff, man. Uh, certainly not on Tuesdays. <laughs> I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. He oh, gets it. I get it. And it's wimpy. It's Popeye. I, I just, it. I just, I had flashbacks to the voice you did for that episode, that Patreon episode oh, of Watch Me Run. The Return of Hucko the Clown. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, if you haven't checked that out, uh, Casey, Chris, and I got to guest on Botched a few months ago on one of their Patreon episodes. It was so. our Christmas episode. Yeah, the Christmas one. That's right. Uh, we had. Uh, I'll be honest with you; it's a little bit of a slow start, but stick it stick it out to the end because uh, <laughs> the end gets pretty wild. It's a little crazy. 
Casey, you should bring that character and do it uh, on breaking the panel just for an entire episode. Maybe April <laughs> Fool's Day. It's oh, only yeah. Two episodes from now. That'd be great. Is it on a Wednesday? Oh, could it be? No, it's not. It's on a Sunday. Whatever. I'll do it anyway. Oh, right. The April thank, 4th episode. Thank the gods. <laughs> oh, also, April Fool's is Easter, so you're welcome, Paul. Yeah. Hey, don't bring Moana into this. Don't bring Maui. <laughs> uh, so speaking of writing and uh, producing, Phil, you've got a, a really interesting tasty morsel here to bring to the table. I've got a semi-tasty morsel, and I know it's been talked about, you know, by everybody else, but uh, this broke, I think, the day after we recorded last week. So Disney Channel, or the Disney Company, is having a streaming service come out um, late 2019 uh, which is surprising to nobody but what is surprising is they have hired you know this this indie director he did a movie called chef uh which which did a little bit of buzz but john favreau is going to come in and ep and write a live action star wars series uh for the disney streaming service Yes. It's about it right now. Uh, we don't know if it is going to, you know, follow a, a line of people, if it's going to just take place on a planet. There's nothing really to go off of yet, except that it looks like Disney and Favreau will not stop their love relationship that they've been having since Iron Man. Let's speculate wildly what it could be about. Okay. You first. Uh... Oh, man, I wasn't even prepared for this question. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of people have been wanting, you know, a Game of Thrones-style show for a while, and there was there was talk of those showrunners, and, you know, you do, like, a Knights of the Old Republic kind of deal, um, which I'm not in love with. I'm kind of over the Old Republic. Uh, agreed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I personally feel like that era, you know, the, the, the subcontinuity that exists in that era is so far detached from everything that makes star wars what star wars is for most people that it yeah um i got it ready yeah rosario dawson as ashoka and we're doing a live action ashoka uh, i'd watch it i'd watch it but i don't know if that's the right fit (laughs) um Um, it is you're wrong but um, (laughs) um honestly like i I feel like there's an opportunity here to start fleshing out the universe for the new trilogy, you know, to okay. start telling some more of the stories. Cause I mean, that's the, if any, if you can take our panel for last Jedi as an example, one of the big complaints is we feel like a lot of people feel like they're getting railroaded by the new trilogy where like, we're seeing so little of the broader picture of what's going on in the, in the universe, if you will, you know, I think, much like rebels did a really good job of filling in some gaps in, in that storyline there, that time period and kind of transitioning from clone wars into the original trilogy. I think if you do a show based around the new trilogy and really flesh out what's going on on the side, there's a lot of opportunity there and it could enrich the whole franchise. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. But we could also just do like, I don't know, Thrawn, <laughs> a live action Thrawn. I mean, oh that's gosh. entire, I honestly, I don't think that's off the table. Yeah. That would be 
Mm. to be real because milk that character for all he's worth he's a compelling character i mean he's see unlike unlike boba fett for example who boba fett where who was wildly iconic and you know a huge fan favorite but had basically no reason for any other than just looking cool and being mysterious you know thrawn has a lot of great writing behind him that completely supports you know anchoring a show around him so you know i mean i'm for it if they want to go that route that's a great idea i know chris wisdom right now is probably like yes please do that yeah um i think there's a lot of potential there i think that's a good idea phil yeah you know if you're gonna piggyback off the trilogies that you know we're we're part of now i don't know maybe let's see maybe find some characters in Maz Kanata's cantina mm-hmm. and, and build that way. Or, you know, just say F it and just bring in new characters and, and just place it around existing planets and cities that we already know about. Well, I think you touched on something important there. Maz Kanata and her whole, her, the role she plays in the new trilogy's setting is, is an excellent springboard. Yeah, you know, because you can you can do basically a Firefly type show where you you assemble a group of you know roguely types that are all together for various reasons. Maybe they have different goals and everything. Um, maybe they're fighting the First Order, but also they're not exactly you know hardcore. Yeah, yeah, we're the rebels, kind of. You know what I mean? They're <laughs> they're say we rebel around. Yeah, people <laughs> on the fringe. Uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of what Rebels started as, really is like it showed characters who had you know their own reasons for being where they were in the story and then they come together and they become part of something bigger and ultimately become part of this really huge thing in the universe you know what i mean yeah it would be nice as well since that show is you know exiting that some of the writing staff might go over to this project and Mm. help see where they can you know lend their tips and tricks on how they you know created nothing or something out of nothing and made it work so well. Mm-hmm. I will tell. I, you know, I'm excited. I, they already had my money, so it's just like, this is just cheese for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, yeah. was gonna, I was going to sign up, like, day one, so... This is totally, like, a gravy proposition that isn't necessary, but it's definitely going to sweeten the deal. Yep. It might get a few people to jump, though, who are on the fence, but, I mean, honestly, if you have kids in particular the, this service or are a big fan of marvel and star wars this service is going to be a no-brainer so by the time the streaming service starts the fox deal would be finalized correct presumably okay so then you could possibly have i don't know say a reintroduction of a family of four superheroes in a cartoon styling original series I think you know personally. If you if you put the Fantastic Four in a cartoon, you know, series on the streaming service, I think that would be a nice way to kind of cleanse people's palates, mm-hmm. get a new start, you know, and work off of that. There, there are talks that. A new X-Men animated series is coming to the streaming service, so why not, you know, reboot your fantastic family 
through this series as well. I was straight up thinking an Incredibles cartoon. Oh, well, I mean, I was going Fantastic Four. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, with the Incredibles, you know, that everything... Synonyms. You shut up. <laughs> shut up, Pokemon Paul. So, um, I mean, with the Incredibles, you have the movie coming out mm, this year, next year? Next year. I think it's next year. No, it's this year. It's the end of this year. Oh, it's this year. So you have that coming out this year, so they could do a cartoon, you know, if it performs, I guess, poorly. Because, you know, if it does well, they'll just green light a third film and then take 12 years to produce it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, though, is the last film was a blockbuster. Like, it was huge. And they did nothing with it for a decade. So... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I much prefer the idea of either X-Men or Fantastic Four. I, I, yes, I'm biased against The Incredibles. I'm sorry. I hate it. It's fine. It, it is what it it's is. It's not fine, Phil. It's super not okay. <laughs> but we're going to have to move together as a podcast. and <laughs> It will make us stronger. Yeah. Maybe you guys can, can bring me to the light. And I can I can see what redeeming quality there is in the parody that just straight up ripped off all the characters before they owned them. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> we'll do that uh, after the show. No, but uh, I like that idea, Phil. I think that that's a good opportunity to to fix Fantastic Four. Um, I think there there's interesting stories to tell there. I even think if you aim the show at a slightly younger audience, it still works with the Fantastic Four because there's still a lot of I'm thinking of like the way various animated shows have been handled in recent years. Uh, for example, like the Voltron reboot and a couple others where they're like, they're, they take the, the bones of the original franchise, but they update it for a more modern audience and they, they aim it at kids, but they keep it accessible to adults and entertaining for adults. If they can hit that sweet spot, You've got Fantastic Four has a lot of potential and you can really, like you said, cleanse the palate, fix the perception of that, you know, that first family. Um, X-Men, similarly, I think you could do an insanely awesome show if you did it right. Um, if you assembled the right X-Men at the right point in the continuity to start telling your own stories, you know what I mean? Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean... It's hard. The thing about X-Men, though, is I keep just thinking back to, like, it's hard to replicate the environment for the original animated show because that was literally the X-Men at the height of their popularity, at the height of the 90s boom. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, 1992? Give me a break. Yeah. But, uh, you know, did you guys ever watch Avengers Earth's, Earth's Mightiest Heroes? I've watched a bit of it, but I didn't yes. finish it. Yes. Uh, is, is that on Netflix, Casey? Do you know? It was for a long time. I don't know if it's They may have eclipsed it with Avengers Assemble, which was a show that they gave one they gave it the axe and then they they just started up another Avengers cartoon for for no reason. Probably because of right stuff, but Sure. Uh I don't see it on here. So but I'm only looking real quick. Um Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes took place in the same universe as the uh, Wolverine in the X-Men cartoon. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it also had, got, it, like it had the Fantastic Four in it, it had Spider-Man, it had, it had everybody. You know, it was, you know, the, the final thing that they fought in the, in the series finale was Galactus. 
you know? That, to me, that has been the best Marvel cartoon I've ever seen. I mean, look, I've got a lot of soft spot for the old X-Men show and, and the old Spider-Man show. And even, you know, like the Fantastic Four, Iron Man, Hulk, Power Hour, or whatever, you know, that only lasted for a little bit until they're like, oh, let's put him in the Spider-Man Secret Wars episode. That'll be good. Uh, but th- that this show had everything. And that's exactly the kind of cartoon that I would want. So as much as I would absolutely watch another Fantastic Four cartoon, because um, the last one we got was that French animated one um, in like 2005 when the when the last live action movie well when the first live action movie came out um yeah not great times but that cartoon was was cool too i I just give me a shared universe cartoon i'm i'm so ready for another animated shared universe you know don't don't go the distance on just one property when you can do them all sure well this streaming service really allows them to do something like do the shared universe idea like you're saying but also to like so let's say they they do a shared universe and they try one of the teams and it doesn't work you can sunset that and it not be a huge deal you know what i mean you can still pull those characters if you're doing shared universe on the same you know essentially network if you will because it's all going to be on the stream service right so you you can pull you know, what worked you know so let's say let's say you try to do fantastic four and x-men and something else i don't know i have no idea what you would try to do in a shared universe with that i guess maybe avengers but i just feel like avengers is kind of played out at the moment um i mean why why play out your milkiest cow hmm. well i just mean like it's you, you really don't want to lay it on too thick at the height of the film's kind of you know coming to the the end of this stage of mm-hmm. the mcu and everything but like yeah so if you take x-men and well actually spider-man's a good example if they could do another spider-man show um they just started one didn't they did they yeah they they always reboot a spider-man show every what feels like two years yeah so that feels like the perfect kind of thing is if you had fantastic four and spider-man on the in the same shared universe as well as x-men you could do crossovers and if one of those shows doesn't have legs you just cancel it and you slide you know slide whatever worked from that into the other one once in a while i mean you could even do future foundation with spider-man or there's all kinds of stuff you can do yeah Um, and it, it could be great make comic cartoons great again Put that on a hat and smoke it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I think, I think Disney has a unique opportunity with its streaming service because I think the adoption level is going to be so high. You can try a lot of experimental stuff on a service that's almost assured to succeed. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's what Netflix has been doing for five or six years. It's like they they have all this crazy debt, as we've talked about in a prior episode. They have all this insane debt because they're greenlighting everything they can get their talons into because it is, even if it sucks, they have so much shit on that service, it, they can't lose. You know, well, until this Disney thing comes along and, and just bah, smash your bottom line. Well, yes and no, because, I mean, a lot of what Netflix has been doing over the last couple months is just getting rid of third-party properties and bringing in and green lighting like you said they're just green lighting everything to see what sticks netflix is the raccoon dumpster divers well i mean services now look at that garbage i'll turn it into something (laughs) i'm the trash 
<laughs> but they're also, you know, trying to start up um, an HBO style service where, you know, they have all these original content that people just, you, you, can't, you can't go anywhere else for it. So I see them, I see Netflix actually seeing, you know, their demise in the next couple months or, or years if they don't do anything about it. And I think they're actually acting appropriately. Because, I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's a bunch of shows in there that, you know, I tune in and keep my subscription for Netflix just because it's the only place to get it. And I watched a new one this week. So, I don't know. Um, it just seems like they're really stepping up their original programming over the last, you know, few months. And I see a bigger boom to come in a couple, couple of years before this, you know, Disney thing starts up. Mm-hmm. absolutely all right so let's uh let's talk about one last thing before we hit our ad break um this is uh so yeah phil and i know nothing about this okay. know somewhat about it casey so well, it, phil knows nothing about this i don't read dc and i some for some reason know a little bit about it so yeah. ed- educate us a little bit on this idea so I don't really read a lot of DC either. Um, the only times I really read some DC stuff is when Travis is like the blazing defender reports own Travis Jones, uh, will tell me to read something like I've read all of the recent run of Batman, um, at his behest, uh, and Mr. Miracle just because I'm a sucker for the new gods, but, uh, I'm a Marvel guy. True and true. And true. Oh my God. I'm a Marvel guy. True and true. <laughs> and, uh, do you guys remember when DC was doing All-Star Superman and All-Star Batman back in the day? Mm, not really. Vaguely. No, huh? So so this was kind of... They tried to give comics a little kick in the pants by putting really great classic creators on headlining books with without any previous continuity, without any anything. You could just pick up All-Star Superman number one, start reading and get a complete tale of Superman and his entire mythos. Jimmy, Lois, Bizarro, Lex, everybody. It had every character you could remember from the cartoons or just pop culture osmosis um, just crammed in there. Same with All-Star Batman. It had Robin, Batgirl, uh, Arkham Asylum, uh, the Joker. But that was also very Dark Knight Returns inspired because it was written by Frank Miller. Now, that line kind of failed because Jim Lee or Frank Miller couldn't keep up with the deadlines on All-Star Batman, and All-Star Superman was never intended to be anything more than 12 issues, and there was never any follow-up. There was talk about having Adam Hughes do uh, an All-Star Wonder Woman. There was talk about an All-Star Batgirl. Just never amounted to anything, and it kind of was mostly shuffled under the radar. Uh, people still hold all-star Superman up like to the highest quality of this is maybe the best Superman story ever written in the history of comic books. And they're probably not wrong. Um, it's, it's certainly great. Now DC is doing, they've always been very good with their imprints um, more than Marvel, maybe more than any other publisher except for image. Although images, internal publishing, I don't really understand because they're all self-contained independent books mm-hmm. like you know like you've seen like skybound or something like that that's all under the image umbrella 
but DC has got stuff like Wildstorm. It's got Vertigo. It's got um, Johnny DC for the kids. It had Young Animal for a while, which was like a more teen-oriented stuff where they had Gerard Way actually writing some some comics for them. Um, now they have this edgy black label imprint um, that they're putting out a whole bunch of new number ones um, for Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Which is the classic trinity since nobody cares about Green Lantern anymore. <laughs> I know. It hurts, but Jeff Johns isn't writing, you know, he, his Green Lantern streak has long since been over. Sinestro Core War, the War just of Life. Glare at you this whole time. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, man. I mean, it's fine. Do you think that the movie being so terrible had a, a, a say in putting that franchise into the ground? Oh, absolutely. The yeah, film yeah. completely buried the franchise. Yep, I agree. It's really too bad. Which is insane because, like, War of Light and, like, oh, man, what is what is the other event there? Blackest Night. Blackest Night were so good. Yeah. Like, that, that, that franchise has so much potential. Like, even outside of the rest of the DC universe, like, the Green Lantern mythos, if you will, is so full of great characters, great oh man. They really drove they drove it into the ground with something with stuff like Brightest Day and then once Johns wasn't doing it anymore, people kind of fumbled the ball. Like I don't know. I I mean I stopped reading DC in twenty twelve, so for the most part. And you know, I, I definitely haven't touched a Green Lantern comic since. But you know, if you're out there, tell me. Um if it's still worth reading. I just haven't nothing about it has really caught my eye. Sure. But on this black label stuff, you've got uh, Frank Miller and John Romita Jr. Um, working on. I'm pretty sure that they're doing Batman. No, they're doing Superman. That's the tricky part: is that Frank Miller is not doing Batman for once. Uh, I really don't know how to feel about that in particular. Romita's fine. He's drawn Superman before, but I mean, he's more of a big Marvel guy than anything. I don't think Miller really understands Superman as a character. Miller writing Superman is going to be terrible. I'm going to hey, throw that out there. Oh, yeah. Well, he's so he's so far off the reservation now. You know yeah. what I mean? He's a crazy person. And so, like, like, he... There's a darkness in Miller that allowed him to really capture the darkness in Batman. And that's why Dark Knight was so good. But then he started putting too much of his own ideology and stuff into it and tried to do Holy Terror and all, you know, he, he doesn't have his head screwed on straight. I mean, Chris, if Chris was here right now, he'd be like, what are you? No, (laughs) he'd be screaming. Yeah, you know what? I'm almost afraid to break this news to him. There's a lot of good stuff going on with regular Superman. You know, he was all jazzed about the, um, the Tom King Mm. preview of what was going to happen in action comics 1000 yeah see i mean that's the thing that's like the superman i love that's the big blue boy scout and that's my yeah. impression it's not very good yeah no i mean that's that's accurate though i mean that's the thing though is you're gonna give you're gonna give the character that shouldn't get the edgy take to the edgiest of right of, of writers and oh man that's gonna be rough yeah well you know don't freak out about it though, because there's other books that you can read, sure. like uh, Wonder Woman. Oh, these are being uh, branded as Year One, by the way, which is very confusing considering there's been a lot of other 
year ones, like how Batman year one mm-hmm. is one of the best Batman stories ever done, which was by Miller and Mazzuccelli back in the eighties. Um, Wonder Woman year one is going to be Kelly Sue DeConnick and Phil Jimenez. Jimenez has drawn and written Wonder Woman for years. So you're probably not going to get a much better Wonder Woman creator than him writing and drawing it, other than maybe somebody like George Perez. Uh, DeConnick is known for a pretty feminist angle on her writing. Uh, She's pretty sure she's written Hawkeye. Uh, in the past, she really gave Captain Marvel, uh, Marvel side, you know, of uh, Carol Danvers, the kick in the pants that made her a real A-list hero in recent years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she also does a comic called Bitch Planet, which I haven't read, but the name is super cool and is apparently popular enough for people to get the logo tattooed on their skin. So, uh, but, you know, you've got... I would have preferred it to be Gail Simone writing Wonder Woman again. I think she's written a, a definitive Wonder Woman, and she's definitely worked with Phil Jimenez before. Um, but I have high hopes for that one, at least, especially with Wonder Woman really being DC's flagship character now, which is weird to say, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and who is the last one on Batman? Uh... Jeez. Oh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo are back on Batman, which they had a, a couple year run on it. Uh, and Travis is absolutely crazy about him. So we're talking two very recent Batman creators picking up the reins again on a Batman book. It's very exciting. Um, did you ever read the the Joker comic that's kind of stylized after the Ledger Joker? I have not, Phil. No, I don't uh, read DC. Okay, right. Um, I would read more are... DC to beat my drum that I always beat. I would read more DC if they had a subscription service that was on par with Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but look, I'm getting way too into the nitty-gritty details. You got uh, guys like Azarello and Lee Bermejo doing a Batman book. You've got Greg Rucka doing Wonder Woman again. There's a lot of ass-kicking talent that DC is also churning out, much like Marvel, although this is not in their main titles. This is all in separate sort of done-in-one, done-in-three-issue kind of miniseries. That could could have some merit, though. Yeah, I think it's definitely worth checking out. Um, They're also doing a, a book about the history of the DC Universe, um, which is actually kind of cool because it's how do I put this? It's a representation oriented book. Like it's showing a lot of the sort of second stringer minority heroes, guys like Renee Montoya, John Stewart, Green Lantern, uh, mm-hmm. Katana, Vixen, various incarnations of Supergirl, that sort of thing. Sure. So I think that could definitely be a, a bold read too Mm. it's not getting much it's not getting as much like push as seeing these other a-list guys doing the the big titles but i think that might be a sleeper hit that people might really be interested in especially in the wake of a world like black panther uh when Mm -hmm. the most dc has really got on that plate is their black lightning show which is pretty good yeah 
I don't know. I could see myself actually going out and picking up that Wonder Woman three three part issue. Yeah, the one. I've, it's, yeah, I've, the, I've read Kelly Sue's um, Captain Marvel, and I actually I enjoyed the shit out of it. Yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's one of the actual few comics that I've I've read in in recent years. So, oh man, it's actually Casey, called uh, Wonder Woman. Historia colon the Amazons. The historian colon got it. Yeah, the historian colon, <laughs> uh, and it it covers the creation of the Amazons to the moment that Steve Trevor washes up on Paradise Island. So for all you know, it might as well be a prequel to the movie, which that is works. even better for people trying to jump in. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. But I'm super jazzed about this. This could be the thing that really gets me into reading DC more full-time even if it's just a series of limited series that's but, true i mean i i bought these doomsday clocks you know weeks ago and oh I still, yeah i still haven't even you know looked at page one of any of them <laughs> you know it's just, well you know you're doing yourself a disservice because that's probably the best thing they're putting out right now i know i know but then once you start reading you're gonna have to start waiting month to month well, I what? They're oh, only up to episode three, right? Or, right. I have a lot of thoughts about that topic, but we're going to save that for the end of the show when we talk about what we've been reading, watching, and playing. Exciting. Because uh, it ties into something we talked about a couple of weeks ago. That being said, now is the time where we have to take a chance to pay some bills and let you hear a message from our sponsors, and we'll catch you on the flip side of the break. And we're back! From out from of space. Commercial break. From commercial break. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we got a couple more topics here, and um, and then we'll get back into that conversation about um, waiting month to month on, on comic books, because I have some thoughts on that. But first, a, a follow-up to a story that uh, we talked about a little bit on the show a few weeks ago. I talked about at length on the Toy Power podcast, when I, which is that episode that I guessed it on should be live now. So you can go to giantsizeteamup.com, hit the toy power link, and you'll be able to find that episode. Um, go ahead, Phil. You were no, no, I was just saying that's live now. And I, I found it actually quite fitting that it finally got released now that this second part of the news has, has come out. So so the big topic that the, that the boys from Down Under had me on for was to talk about Toys R Us and the bankruptcy and, you know, how that was all playing out here in the States. Because, you know, obviously Australia has a, a very different kind of situation. Toy-based economy. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> the really interesting thing, um, I, I'm not going to talk about too much about what we talked on that show, episode, but you would not believe the dichotomy between what it's like for us here as, you know, people who are into maybe collecting some toys or even just the occasional casual fan of grabbing something once in a while compared to what they deal with there. It's insane. We have so many more outlets to get things from and things are so much more affordable for like, we basically can expect to pay MSRP on things most of the time and they never pay MSRP on stuff. Um, like I believe uh, Trent was talking about paying like almost double MSRP on um, uh, Marvel's uh, what, what's the good line? Legends line. Legends. Yeah. So like, could you imagine dropping $40 per? Ooh, ooh, ooh. No, ma'am. Yeah. That's... And then shipping on top of that? Or is anything, that anything past $30? You better be selling me like a goddamn statue or some like real nice collectible. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Is It's crazy. But anyways, um, so Toys R Us, kind of a big deal for them because it's one of, it's one of the brands that they actually had in Australia. Um, they talked about their experiences with um, the one in Adelaide. And we talked about how – I talked about a little bit how it's been for us here. Uh, obviously, they also have a presence, presence in the U.K. as well. And the sad news has come – all of these mitigation efforts have not borne fruit and Toys R Us is kaput. Uh, Toys R Us is dead. Long live the giraffe. Uh, yeah, it's, they're going to, they're going to close all of the U S stores, all 800 stores over the next six weeks, I believe what the timetable was. Yeah. Uh, they're closing all of the UK stores almost immediately. Um, they've already started laying people off. Uh, it, it's as many as 36, thousand jobs here in the states oh boy tied it tied to toys r us and obviously this is going to have a huge impact on the collectible toy market the you know just toys in general um it's it's actually it i honestly i think it's going to have some pretty insane ramifications that we can't even contemplate yet because this is they were really the major tentpole here in you know the u.s toy industry um Every toy manufacturer had distribution deals, special distribution deals with TRU. They had, many of them had exclusive lines that were offered. You know, I know, for example, Lego has um, Toys R Us exclusives. Nerf has Toys R Us exclusives. There, a lot of the action figure lines have Toys R Us exclusives. So this is huge. Um, but yeah, so this is uh, March 14th that we're recording this. By the time you hear this over the weekend, um, your local stores are probably already going to be ramping up to shut down. So I highly suggest you get out there and, and grab anything that you really got to have that you're, you know, that's super important to you. I'm, I'm just terrified that young Daniel Keating will be growing up in a world without Blockbuster or Toys R Us. Well, here's the thing, young Casey Strauss. <laughs> Strauss. I can so alert long. my son <laughs> to- about the time when his papa did work for both Blockbuster and <laughs> Toys R Us. So, yeah, I, I, I worked at both locations. I, I, I mean, my, my Blockbuster run was a lot longer than my Toys R Us run. Um, sure. I, I put in a good three hours as Toys R Us <laughs> as a night restocker before I realized that this is not what I wanted to do. But he'll know. So, um, yeah, no, no, I worked at Toys R Us for a while. Uh, like I said before, it was three hours and that was it. I said, I don't want to do this anymore. But mm. it sucks, you know, because I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid, you know. Yeah. So, but, you know, I will be running down to the Hagerstown uh, Toys R Us and just scouring for the next, you know, six weeks, I guess. Maybe uh, going in there and just hiding things in sections that they don't belong <laughs> so they don't sell out but you, you know, don't get marked down they're gonna they're gonna flip open the the floorboards underneath the aisle and there's just gonna be 30 years <laughs> of scalpers <laughs> secret stashes see that that is actually the trick uh that that gets used that is the dirtiest oh, I, I know you know you know uh, we've all been there we've been the worst kind of fans for everything at some point in our lives you know <laughs> you just hide some shit over in the babies are us section and like the the cribs and in strollers and i then, would love know. to be the fly on the wall of of a security booth 
in a big box retailer like that that watches people jam stuff under the and they're just like why the why? funny thing is you know just being that dude that's just like as soon as that guy leaves he just goes and removes it and puts it back right where it's supposed to be or the dude who like sees them do that and then goes and removes it and then buys it on their break because they're like <laughs> well if if they want it then it must mean something it must mean something important yeah but yeah, no, this is huge. Uh, you know, kids of the 80s and 90s, most of us have had a Toys R Us around us. We grew up on it. Um, I know it was a huge part of my childhood, Phil as well, and I imagine it was part of yours as well, Casey. Big time. Yeah. and it, Not as much as when KB Toys closed down. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh that I, one. I remember KB KB was always like the affordable toy store that I remember. You know, as a kid, I'd be like, I'd walk in there and I'd find things that I could actually afford. When I walked into Toys R Us, I was like, am I supposed to be Richie Rich to shop here? Like, I'm very yeah. confused. Why are all these things like 10% higher than normal? Come, young clots. Let's go to the peasant toy store. <laughs> yeah. Let's go to KB Toys where like six months after something came out, it's slashed at half price and you can have as much as you want. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's, this is, a, it's a big blow to, to toy collecting. It's a big, it's a blow to childhood. I mean, come on, man. Like this is. Yes, but like I've said on past episodes, I mean, I just go in there to build my Amazon wish list and then I yeah, get it later. That's, that's the problem. No, so I am part of the problem. I know I am. So it's like. I can only feel so shitty about it. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I I mean, I'm going to go down there and hide everything I want. So yeah. You can well, come meet me in Hagerstown every <laughs> Tuesday at the Toys R Us at noon. <laughs> and we'll hide things together. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. I don't know if hiding is going to be effective because I feel like the, the hardcore, the, the way the market is today, you know, with the secondary market on a lot of this stuff, I imagine that people are going to walk in there with big checkbooks and grab all of the exclusives. Like, you know what I mean? Because there's no reason not to think that you could, you shouldn't walk in right now and pay whatever they're charging for Lego exclusives. Well, maybe not Lego exclusives because Lego stores still get those. So you could still find them for, you know, feasibly, but uh, like, like stuff like Nerf exclusives and some of the others, because a lot of that stuff holds value. Um, anything that's got a lot of collectability to it, it's good. Who knows where that stuff's going to end up? You know what I mean? Plus getting Legos on the cheap with this kind of sustainable market. <laughs> oh man. I, you know, the thing is people have been, the, the, the Lego community has been grumbling this entire, you know, closing process because people who did have stores that were closing, they're like, yeah, all of the Lego stuff, like virtually all the Lego stuff that's newer than like a year and a half old is all excluded from any markdowns. But now I imagine that's not going to be the case. They're, they're just going to have to liquidate pretty much everything. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So there should be some opportunities out there for you uh, scalping folks. No, please, please don't, please don't scalp. Like don't be a, a dick about it. I mean, buy stuff for your collection or whatever, but don't be like, eh. 10,000% higher. Anyways, so that was uh, sad news. Um, in also sad news. Skyrim has been announced for the five. <laughs> yeah, this one, uh, <laughs> I, I don't really want to get too deep on this, but on one hand, if you told me in 2012 when Skyrim came out, that it would be available on literally every console known to man, including a handheld, I would have told you you were a liar. 
because my PC at the time was screaming at me every time I played it. Please stop making me do this. Uh, but yeah, no, if you told me that I could play Skyrim Elder Scrolls in fully immersive VR, I would have been like, sign me up right now. Like how much, how much do you need a limb? Do you need a kidney? Tell me. And it was yours. Um, I don't feel that way anymore, <laughs> sadly. Uh, but it, this is a, it's a cool thing. Um, what do you think, Phil? I know you're a Skyrim fan. Oh, just he's already pre-ordered. Get, get no, get <laughs> on with it. I, I, you know, start start making the next Elder Scrolls. I yeah. mean, I I I played it on the Switch. I played it on the PC. <laughs> I played it on the Xbox. Yeah. Um, and and you know, I even bought the HD version. So it's just like, you know, I. I'm getting a little fatigue of just giving them more of my money. I know they are not fatigued of it and I understand <laughs> why they're doing it, but at the from, same point, from Bethesda, all you hear is beep, beep. Yep. That's the money truck. Yeah, that's just, the money truck. Just the load truck. it all in. You know, next thing we know, we'll have Skyrim on our goddamn phones. It's just <laughs> well, that, that's my uh, that's my favorite go-to joke. Is that I'm waiting for the announcement on the TI-84. <laughs> yeah, you know? so kids will be like algebraic formulas, and let's kill that Dwemer. Dragons, dragons. Uh, but yeah, fuck's uh, you know, it's uh, just come on, get 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 serious. This this is clearly the last blood that they can squeeze from the stone, right? No, no, no they can literally put Skyrim on a stone. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! No, because Skyrim's not out for the DS yet. They can't put it on the DS. <laughs> sure, they can. Oh my god! If could I- you imagine? <laughs> yes, I could. Could you imagine the frame rate? Oh, and the the pixel count, like oh man, just make it like sixty four bit, like it, Mario sixty four. But they would have to downgrade the graphics to be like Final Fantasy seven polygons, oh, and then it would still probably chug on a DS. And yeah, I would, but I, would I would still play it though. Like, I want them to exactly. do it just so we could see it. The, uh, on, a, on a related note, they did put Minecraft on the DS um, as as like a similar kind of really you know, expansive world type experience. And that thing really pushes the limits of uh, the DS's capabilities. So I, <laughs> it would be funny though. I no, feel like somebody's got to Photoshop what, that though. Like, here's what Bethesda is going to do. They're going to start making Skyrim for retro consoles. So coming in 2020, Skyrim Super NES. Oh. It's an eight, it's a 16 bit cart and they're just going to work their way you know back from let's let's say um let's let's exclude the nes let's go right 16 bit and forward sega jaguar maybe even virtual boy who knows you know 64 64 playstation one you know dreamcast (laughs) the the limits to bethesda and their money and how much they love releasing this game is endless i will die before they stop releasing Skyrim. So um, <laughs> my son will get married and have children before they're done releasing Skyrim on different ports. That's that's where I'm at right now. With you the, know, 
like 20 years down the road, you're going to be walking through a store around the same weekend that your kid's getting married and you're going to see a new re- newly released version of Skyrim, like the, the, the 30th anniversary Redux, oh. and you're going to be like, God damn it! No, I was right! Just, just no. It I'll be like Vader, be. man. Vader at the end of three. No. no. And then I'll kill myself right before his wedding. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll know. He'll be like, Skyrim 30th anniversary. God damn it. God damn it, Bethesda. I don't have a piece of right I'll, I'll be honest. I, BTP seal of approval. I looked at some screenshots. It does look cool, dude. Like, it, it would be cool to play... Any I, PC game right now, Paul, it would be cool to play any goddamn <laughs> PC game. Uh, yeah, Phil, Phil is uh, lamenting that because he's been building his new PC all day, and it, it's, it doesn't turn on. And I don't know why. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Go fuck yourself, Paul. Ah, ah. Um, yeah, man. Uh, so I, I saw some of the screenshots. I didn't watch any of the gameplay yet, but um, just the idea of it does seem cool. Uh, cause I mean, that was obviously like, that's been the long time fantasy, right. Of, of RPG players was like, give me a full length RPG in VR where I can move around the world and do all the things. And it's got a lot of appeal, but, um, well, they made that fallout four, right. That actually had a walking track with it. Mm-hmm. It was like on a treadmill, which actually seemed pretty awesome, but yeah, just, you know, Put your time and effort into better places right now. I also feel like you can't do any side quests if you play this in VR, though, right? Like, it'll take you forever to do everything. And you'll it be tired. It'll take you forever to do everything. You'll be like, you'll fight, like, five bandits, and you'll be like, because, oh, oh, you know, us gamers are rarely in shape. <laughs> and, like, you know, <laughs> I can't wait to see the news reports. Yeah. Dangerous, deadly video game, Skyrim VR. Uh, let's not talk about deadly and dangerous video games. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> why I said it. Warcraft subscription. Oh, man. Let's not talk about World of Warcraft. Because <laughs> Phil and I are back on the crack and it's not good. Oh, both of yous? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The both of yous. I, okay, I, I'm on the methadone, to be real. Like, I don't know how long I am for it, but no. I, on the methadone is you're playing on one of those bootleg, purely <laughs> vanilla servers. Oh yeah, that's, no, that's methadone World of Warcraft. All right, I'm playing World of Warcraft and I'm giving them fifteen dollars to do it, but I'm not really doing much of the new content. I'm mostly just doing old content, uh-huh. which is and you know, I metal. signed back up and put a good six hours in right off the bat. So. I- <laughs> So my arms are itchy as I'm trying to get this PC up and running. Yeah, I feel that. All right, so before we talk about, you know, watching, playing, all that kind of stuff some more, there was a really sad uh, note that came overnight last night. Uh, The legendary cosmologist Stephen Hawking passed away at 76. Uh, And why I bring it up on this show is, one, it's, you know, literally the phrase... shoulders of giants applies to this man an intellectual that the world may never see someone of his caliber again hopefully we do but um my big thing is a lot of people don't realize how much his work contributed to fandom in the form of really incredible background for science fiction uh in particular a lot of the shows that you shows or movies you might have watched in the last few years 
you can almost always trace it back to something that Hawking was involved in. Does it have a black hole? You bet. Hawking was on that song, bitch. Yep. Uh, now, not necessarily directly, obviously, you know, like he wasn't necessarily working with these projects, but the, his work is the foundation not only for our, our scientific understanding of the universe we live in, at least as much as we can confirm it, but also the foundation of so much incredible science fiction. And, you know, it, it's a real loss. Um, I know a lot of people are feeling it. My Facebook is completely blown up today with people, you know, expressing gratitude and, and sorrow. Um, you know, so it's, I, I just didn't, I really didn't want to let this moment pass without taking a moment. Um, to fandom, he might not be on the level of like a Stan Lee, but for, for science nerds, you know, he's up there. So well, it was first, it was Sagan, then it's him. And next to Tyson, dun, dun, I guess. Don't, don't put that out there. Yeah. Don't <laughs> look, it's, it's just the legacy of these men, these, these guys who are, you know, like popularizing science. Mm-hmm. They're making science cool again. It's like John Paul II for religion and Vatican II. Although these guys have just been working on it since like the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. The really crazy coincidence about Hawking is apparently he was born on the 300th anniversary of Newton's birth, I think it was. I uh, know Newton. Um, his Galileo. 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 Galileo's death and he died on Einstein's birthday. Right. Which is just incredible coincidence. Um, I mean, if we dug deep enough, I think we could find weird coincidence for just about anybody, but for to names that are so relevant to the work that he did. Um, it's, it's pretty, pretty incredible. So yeah. Uh, you know, thank you, Stephen, and Godspeed, whatever that may mean. And that's uh, two out of the four action Rangers of Futurama's action Rangers passed away now. Oh. Stephen Hawking, Gary Gygax. So now you're making me sad about Gygax again. Yep. I hate it when people share the meme with him DMing, and I'm just like, stop reminding me. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so let's talk for a few minutes before we wrap the show up about what we are watching, playing, or reading. Let us start with Philip. Um, I'm not going to get too much into playtime because, I mean, what can I say? I'm, on, I'm back in WoW. I mean, mm-hmm. Galcaron, Milksacks. Torn Shaman, just murdering demons as fast as I can. Um, but actually, this week I watched a new Netflix original called Everything Sucks, which mm-hmm. has been kind of marketed as freaks and geeks for the 90s. Okay. Which has, um, it piqued my interest enough to watch. Wait, all- wasn't Freaks and Geeks the Freaks and Geeks of the 90s? Well, I mean, that t- it took place in the 70s. Right. So this takes place in the 90s. Um, it's, it's an, it's, I, I was not disappointed that I watched 10 episodes. Okay. And if there is a season two, which they set up for one, I will probably watch it. Um, it the music is fantastic. Um, but as a 90s kid, you know, you can throw in um 
you know, a, a Weezer song here and a Brian Jones Sound Massacre song there and a little bit of pavement. And I'm, you know, I'm hooked. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two lead kids that are in the show are fantastic. But with that said, you know, they have this beautiful supporting cast that they don't really write enough for or spotlight enough for. And it's a little bit of a shame, but um, at least the two main kids, you know, their acting is, is superb and they, and they do shine pretty bright over this. Um, My only real complaint is there's really no consequences for anything that they do in the show for reference. You know, they steal two cars in two different episodes and nothing happens. They break into the school and get drunk and smoke cigarettes or never caught nothing ever happened so you know you kind of just have to check your your brain at the door and enjoy the ride and the music so like everything that my friend hates i give it about a seven out of five (laughs) (laughs) 7.5 out of 10 seven out of ten i hated it yeah (laughs) so it, it it was all right i mean i I definitely watched season two and it, you know, just I'm excited to see where these two young actors careers can actually flourish off of this because um, this child acting is like pretty damn good. Like stranger things good. So All right. it, it should be wow. interesting to see, you know, where they go from here. Reading wise. Oh, um, my mother board manual is all I've been reading. So I don't have much this week. I I've, I've kind of just been putzing her out like a, like a bum. So everything sucks. Oh, and go watch the show. Everything sucks. You'll enjoy it. Eh. I, okay. Since it's a 90s show. Sure. Is the real big fish song, everything sucks in it. Because if I, not, that's a crime. Oh, that would be some, some I mean, choice. I'm, ending credits music it, it, it kind of seems like they named their show everything sucks it's based in the 90s there's a lot of music in there um spoilers it hasn't been two weeks so <laughs> go find en- out yourself fair enough casey now now one thing i think uh the elephant in the room is a lot of people have probably been watching jessica jones and i know casey has some uh, a whole Oh, I'm about to open a can of whoop ass on that show. Uh, but you're going to save it because we're going to wait, as Phil just said. Because uh, as you know, on Breaking the Panel, we generally have a two-week embargo on a new uh, shows coming out uh, before we'll talk about them with spoilers. So we're not going to ruin it for you yet, but get on it because Casey's chomping at the bit to talk about this. Yeah, uh, we might do. We might find a way to set Casey up with some other interesting personalities from giant size team up to do a little side panel, but no guarantees, but Hey, keep your eyes out for it. It might show up. Uh, so what else have you been up to for the last week or so? Uh, well, I polished off uh, another pretty decent stack of comics this week. The Hulk is back to life in case you didn't know he was in fact dead. Um, the latest issue of Avengers, no surrender, which is number Eight seventy six. Nope, six eighty four. I don't even know where I was going. I was off by like two hundred issues. Um, it does a cool little showcase about how many times the Hulk has died and come back in the past mm-hmm. to the point where 
he's now called the Immortal Hulk. Uh, and there's a new book coming out with that um, title in a couple of months. Uh, pretty exciting stuff. We also find out the secret identity of Voyager, the mysterious Avenger who has inserted herself like a bad fan fiction character into the past history of the Avengers. And the reveal works in a lot of cool ways on a lot of levels especially with the antagonists of the storyline. I'm not going to ruin it for you here, but it's definitely, as it is every week, super worth checking out. Uh, Deadpool fought Captain America this week, and they had a good fight that lasted like 90% of the issue. And wasn't that bullshit? They fight for two pages, and then they team up against something. They really just slug it out for the entire thing. Awesome. Yeah. And that was all the real career highlights as it were i'm still doing some damage in lego marvel superheroes on steam uh i'm like 95 percent done with that game casey yeah what what um what captain america did he fight regular good guy captain america hmm because he he's a big fan of steve rogers so yeah that's an but interesting situation he, he's he feels super let down by cap since the whole secret empire thing Oh, I, yep, yep. Yeah, he's also kind of the last one to learn that it's not really the same guy. Sure. Like, it didn't matter that that a different Steve Rogers had manipulated him. It it was the fact that it was a Steve Rogers that made him believe in himself and then let him down. Got it. There's a lot of good, like, it's not just a really great fight. There's a lot of good dialogue between the two characters that really gives you a sense of how they feel about each other. And Cap like he would with anybody who's really trying to do better. I mean, we're talking about a guy who once made a team of Avengers comprised entirely of criminals, you know, Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver. Um, And sure enough, yeah, I see it. (laughs) And, you know, you, you get a nice explanation of him willing to want to give Deadpool, you know, a chance because he's going down a very bad streak recently. Uh, he killed Phil Coulson, which, hmm. yeah, not, not a nice thing to do. And he killed him for real. None of this life model decoy, secretly a robot nonsense. We're talking dead in the ground. Um, He'll be back. Yeah, well, we hope. But uh, it's, it's probably one of the best fights I've seen them have. They fought maybe three, four times over the years, but I got to say this one is by far the best. Um, if you're at all interested, uh, pick it up. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's in the middle of an arc where he's fighting a bunch of other people. Like he fought Rogue a couple issues ago and he fought Cable a couple issues ago. He's really going through the ringer of people kicking his ass because he's being a shitty like human being. <laughs> okay. But the story does stand up on its own. Uh, so pretty good okay but that's all i got for you nothing too interesting happening with me all right well i've been watching some jessica jones but i'm not finished yet um so we'll, we'll talk about that at a future date but i reported a couple weeks ago that i started my first poll list ever at, at almost 34 years old um and it was for a grown ass man grown ass man yeah, in, in comic terms, I am now a, a full-fledged adult. Um, so I went and picked up my first issue of Oblivion Song. And without getting into any spoilers, I will say that I 
I kind of like the art and I kind of don't. Um, but that's to be expected with a Kirkman book. I mean, I mean, obviously he's not doing the art, but it's like, it just seems that whoever he gets to do his art all the time is always like a certain style. That's not really my style. Um, it's, I will say it's a cool premise. It's a cool setup. Um, it already has a little bit of implied emotional weight, but I will, I feel like this issue was a little too short to get my teeth into the, the story. And this brings us to that conversation that I said we would have about God damn it. Why do comic books only come out once a month? Like, yeah, this is not enough. I, I'm very upset. Okay. Like, I want more. This not is worse. Spider-Man. This is worse than watching an hour show every week where it's like, Oh, I got to wait seven days to get another hour of entertainment. Yeah. It's like, now is that because it cost you five dollars? Four days. <laughs> uh, this was only four dollars. Okay. Sorry. All right. All right. It's it, Im- image keeping it real. Um, I will say that it's a, it's a good book. Um, you know the the quality of the pages is great. Like the actual quality, because I haven't bought a book in a long time. You know what I mean? Like I've got some stuff from the '90s I'll pick up once in a while when yeah, I'm. Now they're through. printed on like glossy, almost cardstock covers. Yeah, it's it's. How's great. that feel, huh? Oh, it's awesome, and I I feel like that's something that's going to hold up. Um, but yeah, you know, so I'm just like, oh man, come on, like I want more story. So give me a graphic novel every <laughs> every month. Like give me a hundred pages every month now. Hmm. But no, I mean, uh, it's cool. I'm, I'm interested to see where he takes the story, uh, how it all plays out. Um, it, it seems to, you know, it seems to be Kirkman and Kirkman is pretty solid. Uh, if you know anything about him from The Walking Dead, it, it's really about characters more than anything. I mean, yeah, there's Walking Dead was like there's zombies. And it, I feel like this show, this show deals with aliens in another dimension. And I'm like, okay that's going to be the zombies of this where it's going to be really about the characters, which is fine. Kirkman wrote the walking dead. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. hmm. Who knew? <laughs> you know, Phil, you did. Hmm. I did. <laughs> you sure did. Uh, but yeah. So if you're on the fence about it, go grab it, check it out. Um, but God damn it. Like com- buying comics month a month sucks. So why don't you um, just buy all of them and then binge read them like you enjoy doing with your television shows? Uh, I probably will for pretty much everything else. Yep. I think that's what I'm going to do with Doomsday Clock. Mm-hmm. It's just buy all 12 of them and then read them all at once. Yeah, that's the conflict, right? Like part of me is like... But if you're I'll, doing that, you might as well wait for the trade. Well, it, that's the thing is it's like not wrong but but do you always want to be like a year or more behind on every story that kind of sucks you know what i mean yeah yeah but you can get caught up in you know oh yeah hour 30 minutes to an hour yeah it's it's crazy though like um yeah i guess that's one of the one of the reasons why i called out the art a little bit because it's like the art is not it's not terrible i'm not trying to say that but it's not really doing it for me like say a lot of the you know, a lot of the 90s stuff that I really dig did, or even some of the modern stuff out of Marvel or DC where it's like, it's really iconic and it stands out. Um, Cause that's part of the appeal of, of the visual medium. You know what I mean? Like the it's, it's words and pictures. And sometimes the pictures are just kind of whatever. Yeah, their chest's not big enough and they're not, 
uh, unproportionate enough for you? Well, yeah, there's there's really none of that going on. Um, it's got a some pretty, you know, pretty stereotypical post-apocalyptic look going on. Um, part of the story takes place in a wasteland type setting, and part of it takes place in a what we could assume is parallel to our reality, kind of like, you know, similar but a little bit different contemporary type story. So, uh, yeah, it's just... I, I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, it has an element to it that could be really interesting, and I, I want to see how it all plays out. But yeah, so I wanted to give that report. But God damn it, more pages. Get on it, comics industry, for me. Listen, you know, uh, there... <laughs> There's a right way and a wrong way of, of going about this stuff. Like you can take the dishonest. There are many dishonest routes to acquire comic books. Um, piracy is rampant in the industry, but you know, if you are committed to supporting the industry and you don't want to fall behind, you can grift the issues as they come out and then end up buying the thing in a collected edition to put nicely on your library shelf. You know, the only thing about that is, uh, okay, so we, we've talked about piracy on the show before. Yeah. Um, we don't really condone it here, but at the same time, we live in a real world. You know, we all, we've all been there. We've all gotten a bootleg. I don't think there's anybody on this show that's ever even guessed it on this show, even, that probably hasn't seen a bootleg at some point or, you know, a downloaded movie or whatever. Um, the thing is, with comics and being how volatile this market is and how tight everything is for these publishers if you really care about a book i feel like you got to be buying it like if you want to see that book make it to a trade beyond like a couple issues you've got to you know you got to put some money where the mouth is um otherwise you're going to see a book that you might fall in love with 10 issues in fall apart on you because nobody was buying it you know what i mean that that's a very real risk in a way that I would, I'll often call bullshit on like the film industry and the television industry. You know, like when HBO complains about piracy of Game of Thrones and we're like, what are you talking about? That's the best advertising that's ever happened for you. Because the people are chomping at the bit so much that they, and they, all they do is talk about your property online. And it's just, it's amazing advertising for what you've created. But comics isn't quite the same in that regard because it's like, they don't see any of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so it, it's and they have to or they die these books die you know these writers and these artists get assigned to different projects or maybe not, not even at all at that publishing house so yeah you got i think you got to support something once in a while but it's you know four dollars an issue it's that's a tough life to stay on top of like multiple books i mean that can get pretty costly Tra for, travis and i talked about this on an episode uh of the report not too long ago um, and even just last week, he's like, he's like, take a look at my stack, you know, not a bad week. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, a lot of these books were okay. $68 oh. a week. That was 13 comic books. Yeah. That's huge. How much time is that's for me? How much time is it? You know what I mean? I mean, if you, we're... I, I blaze through a lot of comics when I read because I mean, so you could probably read 10, 15 comics in an hour or two, right? I would yeah, say. maybe. I mean, especially if it's something that like I picked up and I'm not totally into or it gets slow in the middle. If it's a book I really like and can really appreciate, I don't really spend more than 10 minutes reading a comic. Yeah. At $4, $5, $6, you know what I mean? That's a yeah. lot. That's a big ask. 
which throws me back to that Marvel Unlimited thing. You know, it's what is it? I think it's ten bucks a month now. Yeah, ten bucks a month. You're gonna get an hour's worth of entertainment out of it. You know, you're gonna be able to read enough issues over the course of a month to have gotten ten dollars worth out. You know what I mean? But you probably you have the potential to get way more, especially if you're a voracious reader. You could really clean up on that. Whereas buying physical comic books, it's like, man, I got almost nothing for these dollars. And And now they take up so much room in my apartment. That too. Yep. Welcome to my weight life. (laughs) You know, I can wait six months for Marvel. And to be honest, if like we've been saying this, and and the whole fucking internet's been saying this, if DC had a goddamn streaming service, I would give them ten dollars a month too. Do they? Do they have no way where you can get their comics? They, I mean, they have Comicsology, and it's just fine. I, I want a fucking straightforward app like my Marvel Unlimited one. That's all I want. Just fucking do it <laughs> now. Because, you know, I, I would just give them a constant 10 bucks. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't even use my Marvel Unlimited as much as I should. But, you know, for those two to three months every, every so often that I do, I, I, I feel like I get my money's worth. But that's the thing, you know, I, I want to start reading that new Wonder Woman we were talking about. Mm-hmm. But I also don't want to pay the 4 to $5 and have it just be complete shit. Right. You know? Well, I can almost guarantee that it won't be garbage, just based on the creative team. No, and you're you're not wrong, but this is what keeps me from you know picking up a couple just random books every week. It's just you know mm-hmm. I I can't afford dropping sixty eight dollars a week on on subpar entertainment. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I mean, who can? Uh, yeah. So I mean, that's that's where I'm at for the week. I, you know, as I mentioned, I playing a little bit of wow um yeah that's that's about it so i read oblivion song and i'm interested but i want more um and i need it to come quickly and uh yeah so that's where we're at uh you can find phil phil tell us where we can find you oh if you want to hear about you know how pavement is the greatest band of all time at 2 a.m on twitter then you can follow me at imaginary nomad on most social media platforms mm. but on twitter that's where you'll hear me rant about you know rant, range life these, these gold sounds and how golden and delicious they are so do that you won't mm-hmm. okay all right, you can what about you, Casey? Where can they find you, Casey? You can find me at TV's Casey uh, on Twitter and other places, but mostly just Twitter, uh, where I can publicly harangue comic book professionals out of jealousy and pure fanboy criticism. Uh, you can also find me Thursday nights at twitch.tv slash badcoyotefunky, which is a show that's almost as good as this one where we will be talking spoilers about Jessica Jones this week at 10 o'clock Eastern standard time on Thursday. Oh, there you go. If you're all caught up on Jessica Jones already, that's your opportunity to dish on it. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at soapbox GSTU though. I never use it. So don't bother. Uh, you can hit me up on Facebook as well. You can contact me or any of us through facebook.com slash breaking the panel 
hit us up with your questions, your insights, your responses. Tell us how we're stupid. Um, we love those. Those are our favorite fan mails. Uh, hit us up, and uh, we'll see you next week when Epic Boss McFall will return to the fold and lead this this, this, this unwieldy beast forward. Breaking the Panel is the flagship podcast on the Giant Size Team-Up Network. You can support the show at patreon.com slash breaking the panel, and you'll find more of our amazing podcasts at giantsizeteamup.com. Thank you.